welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan, and for the first time in a long time, that is Matt. Matt, I dub thee unforgiving. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> wow. You know, it, this, there's an interesting game theory here. Because, like, I was going to say, um, you know, I was going to say exit light, uh, enter night, uh, or take my hand, we're off to Never Neverland. But I like, I thought Matt is going to do that. No, so I, I, so, I, 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 we really hit the Metallica equilibrium. Yeah, we did. Both yeah, ones. absolutely. Right. There's, right. We did the same, we played the same strategy and ended in the, in the same place. Here's what I was going to do the full, the full, uh, bit that I was going to do uh you labeled me i'll label you so i dub the unforgiven uh and i think you have dubbed me unforgiven as well for uh for not recording an episode of this podcast together in a month well and i and i labeled you and, and yet and yet we are synced up and not only are our uh our our record cycles synced uh as always we're i just want i want to uh, draw attention to something that you teased last week we are in the 90s. Oh, and man. We, have, we are so far in the 90s. Uh, we've, I want to kind of just draw a little attention to what we have done. Um, because last week, you and Jordan discussed Nine Inch Nails' Pretty Heat Machine, which came out in 1989. And now we are this week discussing Metallica's Metallica, otherwise known as The Black Album, which came out 25 years ago in 1991. No, isn't, right. isn't that weird? Like, if, you, if someone put a gun to your head and you had never heard these records before and you didn't know they were Metallica, and Nine Inch Nails, and they asked you which is the '80s record and which is the '90s record, right? Do you think you would? Do you think you would get that right under that imaginary scenario and peg, uh, peg Pretty Hate Machine, which is very forward thinking, uh, in uh, as the the '80s record and Metallica, which is sort of a throwback uh, as the '90s record? I I would, and and I think I mean assuming in this hypothetical scenario that I know a lot about. What constitutes both the '80s and the '90s? <laughs> sure. Um, that uh, and yet somehow have the Nine Inch Nails and Metallica pieces of those broad webs of context uh, excised from my brain. I still think I could, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit because the story of this march, right? That that this quarter is about the march. Um, well, we we marched up Mount Sex Magic uh, of, of 1991, and then skied down the other side back into the late '80s uh-huh. uh, on our um, T. Uh, our, on our um, uh, Red our Hot Chili Peppers. D- yeah, our yeah. kind of hinge episode, or kind of like, yeah. Exactly. Um, and part of what we, when we talked about Red Hot Chili Peppers and kind of their two records that straddled the late 80s, I think like 88, 89, um, and 91, in this big year of 91, that is our kind of 25th anniversary year for a number of landmark records across so many genres, um, that, that something that we started to note is that there is... In looming in 1991, a great convergence, a great 90s convergence. And, and I think that that amount of kind of convergence-ness is, um, is, is what there is a marker of in the Black Album. Um, and, and that even though, right, that uh, a Metallica album, you know, uh, is, you know, in many ways a metal album, I think in the context of other Metallica or even other heavy metal of the 80s feels more smeared towards the center. Um, and, and, and it's still an alternative, alternative center, but it's already a pop alternative. Um, and it's, it's, it's in that center 
smear with some um, artists that we'll talk about in the coming weeks, uh, with Pearl Jam, with with Nirvana, um, with later Nine Inch Nails, as you and Jordan discussed last week. Um, that Jordan had associated Nine Inch Nails with a lot of other bands, and I think both of you, um, of Nine Inch Nails, less with kind of industrial music per se, um, but with the kind of um, harder rocking alternative music of either certain uh, quadrants of the MTV schedule uh, or of alternative rock radio. Um, and so it, it is is interesting, um, and, and I have that same association, is that you know I was never a heavy metal fan, I was never a Metallica fan, but I associate um, some of the big singles here, uh, Enter Sandman, uh, Unforgiven, um, Nothing Else Matters, especially, uh, as part of that rotation, right, of, of, of they were buzzworthy singles uh, in one way or another on, on MTV, and, and, and in that way are more like the 90s Nine Inch Nails um, and some of the other alternative uh, rock stuff and grunge stuff than they are like um, not, uh, 80s Metallica or 80s Nine Inch Nails that have one foot a little harder, um, more firmly in kind of a, a genre distinctiveness, right? Yeah. And that that even though that you have kind of progressive elements of um, uh, in in Nine Inch Nails, I guess that is what marks it as more of an 80s record, right? Is that uh, that, that there is this kind of forward thinkingness that uh, you know touches still back to the to black, kind of, yeah, the, to the Black Album, to the to the. Um, oh, uh, I was saying there are the progressive touches to to. Uh, pretty hate machine whereas the black album has these kind of as much as that it has the, is that the black album has and has many pop touches right yeah okay many- oh good 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 right because that's my impression as well and I, I had wondered if we had listened to different to no, no, uh no, yeah so i was saying that the black album is ultimately more even though it it connects to other things in metallica's kind of thrash metal or kind of power metal tradition that the, it's in the kind of ballads in in some of the, even the mid-tempo songs it is is you know poppy in what poppy was coming to mean in 1991 and it was a massive hit right um kind of 24th best selling album of all time um by some measures that i've seen uh best selling album of the last 25 years um i i'm still wrapping my brain around that statistic but i'll believe that is it was a massive hit right and sure and so that's kind of the context, you know, in starting our next, um, and next about six weeks in 1991, right? So that we, we hurried on past 1990 in part because nearly every artist or album of note in 1990, we've either discussed already, um, or are going to discuss again in the future. Uh, and so in order to kind of like land this, uh, and spend a lot of time in this very special 25th anniversary year, um, and and to you know alienate and confound as always we um we skipped 1990 altogether kind of leaping leaping over it uh, acrobatically and have landed squarely in 1991 with metallica's metallica um and so if you have not listened to metallica's metallica give it a spin um it is you'll recognize some of the songs most likely um unless you are uh, on our on the youngest very youngest or very oldest scales of our our demographic but even then i think at least 
some of these riffs and some of these figures, um, especially from Enter Sandman um, and a few others, will be familiar. Um, but uh, but give yourself some time to to soak it in. Maybe do something kind of energetic and something where your mood doesn't need to be affected. Because I was uh, I was packing for a trip and I found myself becoming frustrated and anxious. <laughs> and and you know that is a thing that uh, that's an emotion that I associate with packing. Um, but that listening to Metallica uh, heightened both of those emotions. Uh, and, and I was kind of more and more aggressively slamming, uh, you know, slamming sweaters uh, into a uh, into a suitcase. Uh, and so I needed to turn it off to f- finish the packing. So find uh, find an activity in which you can be in a uh, agitated and, and f- kind of frustrated state uh, and allow that to wash over you. Uh, and, and then um, take a deep breath, walk around, maybe go for a run while listening to nothing uh, or something else, cleanse the palate a little bit. Uh, and then once you are ready, uh, uh, once you have both uh, consumed and cleansed, uh, meet us back here to discuss Metallica's Metallica after this word from our commercial sponsors. Are you feeling frustrated and anxious? Oh, yes! <laughs> Would you say that you're undergoing a struggle within... Uh, it's, I feel like I'm just tearing myself apart, like so many chugging riff guitars. I'll bet kicking at a dead horse pleases you and that you have no way of showing your gratitude. Nothing else matters. <laughs> then may I recommend group therapy. Gather all the people around you into one room and just hash out your problems until the band breaks up or you come out with a breakthrough artistic achievement. But what if everyone I know is a fucking asshole? (laughs) So much the better. You can visit your displeasure on them as they visit their displeasure on you in negative enactments that go all the way around the circle. In group therapy, no one's right and everyone's wrong. God, that's sad but true. (laughs) Group therapy, when nothing else matters. Hey, Matt, I have a question for you. Wait, wait, we're not back. I know we're in a liminal space and I'm going to ask my question in the liminal space. Hey, we're back. And I still have a question for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so frustrated and angry. So this, this Metallica. Yes. With James Hetfield's guttural growls and growls, uh, with their chugging riffs and with their struggles within and their misery and gods that fail and nothing else mattering. Are these jock jams? Are they? Oh, yeah. so that's great because mine is—is is this butt rock? And it's, and yeah, go ahead. Uh, you, well, let's answer both of the questions in turn. Yeah, it's okay. So here's here's the thing. I was uh, I was getting a massage today, which is uh, uh, you know something I do now that I'm older and my body is falling apart. And uh, I I um. Instead of I, my uh, the the masseuse who I see is uh, like a heavy metal chick. I think that's I think she would describe herself that way uh, proudly. And um, so instead of the whatever the like the weird uh, uh, Peruvian pan flute music that normally um, goes on in in uh, places like that, uh, I actually asked if we could play Metallica's <laughs> The Black Album. 
and uh, uh, in the course of doing, in the course of getting a massage, and she uh, she said, "Well, sure, we can play it, but it's a shitty record. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's play Master of Puppets instead." And so, as, you know, we were sort of talking uh, as as she worked over the course of the session, the um, about what would make. <laughs> Uh, what, how you make, like, what's the recipe for the eponymous Metallica album, right? Like, if you take old Metallica, if you take, like, Master of Puppets, uh, sort of, I guess I've heard it called thrash metal or, you know, other things, uh, yeah, other genre descriptors. And there, I mean, genre descriptors are imperfect, but we can agree that there's a qualitative difference between the two, between the earlier record and this, the much poppier, uh, the much poppier your black album and uh her uh her answer was you take uh you take like five parts early metallica uh one part poison one part acdc and one part jock jams and you put and you mix that together uh into the thing so i think there's no i mean i think there's no reason that butt rock can't be uh uh, butt rock can't be part of it, but I would say that the answer is it has to be uh, a highly qualified yes. Because if it's a butt, it's not a happy butt, right? It's a like it's a post spicy food butt, you know. It's a butt spewing fire uh, and and just really like causing causing suffering. It's not a uh, it's not a you know it's a butt with hemorrhoids, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a right. It's it's not a sort of, um, you it's know, not a fun, it's not a fun butt. Fu- yeah, I was about to say it's not a joyfully wiggling or joyfully thrusting, but it's a uh, it's a butt doing like serious, difficult butt business um, <laughs> all over uh, all over the stage. Um, so yes, yeah, I-, I mean it's butt it's buttish, but it's it's uh, <laughs> but it's it's in a particular for a particular range of butt activities. Well, I think. This is really interesting. I think that um, I, I I'd say that another way I would actually gloss that is, and uh, I'll refer uh, to both um, our episode that Jordan and I requ- uh, recorded on um, Quiet Riot. Yeah. Um, that w- that we spent a lot of time talking about butt rock and kind of the genesis of butt rock um, and kind of different types of butt rock, right? And so one of the things that we puzzled over um, is that you both have um, kind of hair metal bands of the eighties. Um, like actually, uh, Poison, I believe, can sometimes be called this Quiet Riot, um, Motley Crue, um, but then also kind of post metal and new metal bands of the 90s, both being called Butt Rock. Um, and there's actually um, Mark Lee on Overthinking It wrote a, uh, after this episode, wrote a grand unified theory of Butt Rock and kind of was, uh, you know, thinking about from this about the kind of what is the kind of leading creative impulse and is it the head? Is it kind of this idea of, of of postness and formal experimentation, or is it the butt, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, is it is it kind of um, uh, a kind of uh, a squatting strength, right? Uh, and a whether a squatting or wiggling strength, but a kind of 
muscular um, and kind of uh, crude uh, impulse, and that 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 kind of creative mode of creation um, is is something that that links um, disparate butt rocks. And I think that I'd like to propose that there is actually a way. There's a few things in which Metallica is an important node here, in that it's I, I could call it one of two things, and maybe it is. Um, both of these is that in one way it is the butt rock missing link, right? So it is the missing link between the butt rock of hair metal. Um, and, and I think these parts, um, poison and ACDC, I think are really important there. Um, but I think that there's another thing. I think there's like at least one part like Morrissey in there as yeah. well. Um, and, and, uh, and, and the kind of in some of the mopiness, um, in some of the, the ballads, uh, as well. And, and the kind of vocal. Yeah. And, and that's something that's going to come to really come to fruition in Pearl Jam, where, right. where almost right. like the, the, it's almost a, an entirely depoliticized, uh, it's, it's almost like entirely taken all the politics out of punk. And it's, it's very oriented towards kind of the self and towards like the the suffering of of uh an individual an individual psychology i d- i want to point out a couple things about about googling butt rock uh, just a couple of adv- a couple advisories for people who might do this. One is that overthinking it is on the first page of results, at least when I did it for uh, for butt rock, our grand unified theory of butt rock. The other thing is that you're going to get a lot of Google image search results of rocks that look like butts. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like that two kind of two lobed uh rocks uh taken out in nature and uh and things like that anyway i i apologize for derailing you please continue. no I, I think that that, that is right on the rails uh, <laughs> um and well because i think that would you say that it straddles a great chasm or crevasse or crack between the two i, I would uh, rails I, I, of... absol- I absolutely would um so i think that so the, and so adding that kind of whether it's Morrissey, I know that um, I read that yeah, I was uh, thinking Kendall was influenced by uh, Chris Isaac. As oh, well. OK. Like, yeah, I was thinking like late period or kind of like uh, everybody hurts period R.E.M. Yes. A little yeah, yeah, bit. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Especially um, for like the six, eight, the like compound meter feel of some of those. Although I think that that was not yet out. Um, I, I could be wrong um, that I'm trying to th- uh, think um, about. Yeah. Everybody hurts is actually nine. Oh, um, almost. So, so REM is actually influenced by Metallica. Uh, <laughs> but no, right? I mean, this is actually interesting that you say that there is this great alt rock stew that is a cooking by by ninety one. Um, and but so I think that the thing that these whatever, and we can talk a little bit more about some of the genre influences that are added uh, to um, both the thrash metal and the kind of hair, the hairy butt rock. <laughs> um, but that uh, especially on so- on the on the ballads on the slower songs um especially the unforgiven and especially uh, nothing else matters that you see the road to like stained um uh with no e and just a d yeah um uh pretty pretty clearly and and to some of the other and to to, to your nickelbacks too right um to to the kind of um post metal slash new metal um uh butt rocks as well right and um and yet right uh, that there is 
it, it is interesting, right? That there is kind of the you know the the ghosts of butt rock past, present, and future um, are are here, and yet that there is a I, I think um, a also some of this 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 kind of head rock impulse as well. Uh, so I'd like to propose that this is uh, that this is butt head rock, right? <laughs> um, and and I mean that in both that it is is kind of um, drawing on both the creative impulses of both the butt rock and the head rock uh in that it is kind of post thrash metal right in one way um and yet one of one of the ways in which it is post and one of the kinds of uh, influences that is synthesized as part of the artistic project are these various buddy impulses uh-huh. right um and then i think at the same time it's butt head rock in that it is some of these riffs make me only think of beavis and butthead <laughs> their heads yeah right um and it, again that it is uh, that allows it to kind of be part of this moment that we're talking about this 1991 moment of uh and 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 i do feel like mtv and kind of um alt rock radio and kind of hard rock radio um as as the format is um it it was emerging are really central to this becoming a thing and it it kind of picking up steam and metallica i think by becoming kind of post thrash metal um and and adding some of these various you know because like some of the butt elements are like both having fun they they both are like having more fun than they were having and kind of that's kind of some of the poison in acdc uh and and yet they're also mopier than they ever were uh, i think and uh, another metallica a uh, deeper metallica fan would uh, i'm welcome to kind of uh well actually on both of those uh especially dj bean if you're listening uh he was invited to attend uh this this symposium because he's actually a big uh, uh metallica fan uh, was not able to attend, so uh, I'd love to kind of uh, get some thoughts on um, on you know both as the discussion as it's unfolding and actually some factual things of are there more fun or more self indulgently mopey Metallica songs than those on this album? But I do feel like that those ingredients um, are actually important um, in both kind of you know both making a kind of creative leap for metallica and kind of bringing them in the league of and also bringing them in the league of kind of what is happening kind of commercially in in other genres at this uh at this time you know the the so the i think that this is something that we have to address a little bit like the the extent to which um, this move, this move towards sort of hybridity and kind of stylistic opening up constitutes a selling out, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. because one of the, for real metalheads, like one of the, the, the narratives of, uh, one of the narratives of Metallica is that like just a few years after Master of Puppets, one of the greatest metal albums of all time, uh, they come out with this shit and all this sort of very hooky, sort of poppy, much less thrashy, uh, bit slowed down, uh, less guitar pyrotechnic focused, uh, and more kind of vocal focused, right? Like go- kind of going in the direction of, of like what later becomes like screamo, I suppose. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there is, is- amazing and just even some of the instrumental figures of also what even becomes certain versions of this uh, of a second or third generation of hardcore punk too uh, kind of the more metallically inflected hardcore punk as well right yeah um yeah um, and that this is that this represents and that the lyrics were not as hard uh the lyrics were a little mopier and weren't you know 
um, weren't quite as as nihilistic or uh, or you know uh, confrontational um, as the uh, as in the battle days. So right, that I mean, does this? In what sense is this an evolution? Is what in what sense is this uh, a uh, in what sense is this a selling out? And in what sense is this uh, you know um, just kind of the way the cookie crumbles, right? Like I think I think uh, James Hetfield. If this may be apocryphal, but I think there are stories that that he said in interviews and and on TV and stuff. Uh, James Hetfield, uh, yes, we we so sell out. We sell out arenas every night. <laughs> <laughs> you know and that uh right like that but but the uh, you sort of wonder like what where where the impulse is right like where the the sort of impulse to hybridity is because it's not you know it's not a if anything it sort of becomes safer it because the music becomes more user friendly um you know and and uh and it it becomes sort of toned toned down a little bit, right? Like I, you know, I had a relationship with a lot of this music, and you know, you know me, I was a I was a sensitive child with feelings and things, and and uh, listened to uh, whiny singer songwriter music, um, and not to like hard rock and uh, hard rock and Metallica, um, and so this this I I always felt a little threatened or a little like. Uh, a little, uh, uh, you know, kind of low key frightened of uh, the harder hard rock songs, but now I sort of now I sort of listen to listen back to them, and I think they're sort of adorable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, unpack that a little bit. Cause I, I think I, I have a similar reaction, but I, I, it's interesting to hone in to hone in on this thing that was initially threatening and now feels like like felt at the time like a real snake and. And now feels like the picture of the snake on the cover of this album. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that there's like, uh, there's a thin, and I was actually talking about this last week with Jordan and Nine Inch Nails. Um, there's like a, just a beautiful shining moment of adolescent douchebaggery if you're like a, a sort of emo teenage boy, right? Where... Uh, where just like you reach this apex of sort of self-centeredness and condemnation of society and sort of hopelessness and nihilism uh, based on the idea that like you'll never grow up and be a be a uh, 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 be a real grown up, right? Like there there comes like in the whatever your personal trajectory and whatever beautiful rainbow gravity traces uh, as you're fired into the air and then and then come back to. To, to earth um there is an apex moment of that at which your your capabilities of of self-involvement and your capabilities of kind of like uh introspection um are both at local maxima right and at that moment uh at that moment, you can sort of really believe the lyrics of Pretty Hate Machine, right? Like, at that moment, you can really believe uh, Nothing Else Matters and, you know, some of the lyrics on this record. Um, and then, like, you kind of fall away from that. And I think that, like... Uh, I, I don't know, like, to, to me, the, the journey of adulthood has been one of discovering, you know, ever greater and somehow ever quieter uh, horrors or fears, right? And, uh, like, and the stuff that is like, 
our society will never understand me. Like is a great, it, it just seems a great deal less urgent, but it's almost nostalgic. Uh, and like the the way that I you know what I mean and like the way that I look back on it like imagine is kind of imagine such a simple time as that right like imagine such a simple time as when it was when the kind of dime store nihilism uh, was yeah uh, you know what I mean it seemed uh, incredibly profound when it seemed like um, yeah that's the dude that's really the nature of the universe man like nothing nothing does matter uh, and that. Like that, that was, um, you know, and that it's it's almost like so. When I say it's sort of adorable, uh, what I'm saying is that we were adorable as as younger men. You know what I mean? We were in in and, and insufferable to everyone who knew us and our families and things like that. But sort of considered in an isolation, uh, sort of. Um, uh, uh, sort of sweet, right? In in the in the innocence that ironically attends that uh, you know that level of of uh, uh, facile disaffection. I mean, it is it is interesting. I, I I think about a little bit about kind of historical context and kind of um and and kind of thinking about. Uh, understanding this, you know, the kind of, because what was going on in 1991 wasn't just Metallica s- uh, selling out, but there was like kind of a great selling out sure. uh, across genres. Um, and almost so much so that, and I, I've, I know I've quoted this before, um, there's a uh, line from the um, movie SLC Punk where uh, a character says, I didn't sell out, I bought in. Um, and huh. so that there's a kind of, you know, in some kind of great kind of, there's like a, a condo, a a pop condo uh, that a number of artists have kind of accrued uh, capital um, and kind of assets uh, in their respective scenes kind of throughout the, um, the late eighties um, and then uh, kind of a kind of an, that in. yeah, an authenticity timeshare. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, but the, and they kind of, and they kind of cash in or, or, uh, on their, their cash in their authenticity and kind of go into the timeshare with all of these units adjacent one to one another, right? So they move from where they were living, uh, in their, in their genre neighborhood, in their authentic genre neighborhoods, uh, into the centrally located, um, uh, timeshare. And, and one of the, the, uh, um, features of that is that it is highly visible and they have new neighbors right um and that and and i think that that is concurrent sure it's with... a pro- it's a process of gentrification yeah. a, li- a little bit right yeah. because yeah it throws together it's, it's gentrifying the charts right, right. Like... <laughs> exactly go ahead though yeah uh, no that was it that it was just a, it was just a one line zinger no but i think that that I, and so that there is I mean, so that's kind of, I, I, but to think about this from an economic perspective, um, and then we, I, I think, can turn to some of what's going on musically here and the ways in which Metallica is, is a specific instance of, of kind of these general phenomena and, and is also a little, um, unique or separate is that you have, Right, so part of that allows the building of that condo, and that allows for kind of any kind of gentrification, is an availability of of, of capital, right, uh, of kind of resources, and a sense of um, that there is a business opportunity here, and so that there is a sense of a, a kind of a marshalling of kind of record industry resources around kind of fulfilling a need um, for this kind of um, kind of adorable teen angst, right, and. 
in what you call the dime store nihilism or what I would call post-Reagan nihilism, huh. right? That the, 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 the Reagan nihilism, the, the nihilism and the Thatcher nihilism that we saw in punk is kind of, right, it had been more, it was, it's, you know, it's now about lunchtime in America, right? We've had, we've had morning in America. Uh, we had coffee break in America. And now it's like, it's time for lunch. And I'm, cra- and, and, and America, America is hangry, right? Uh, in, in 1991. Uh, and what America is hangry for is, uh, is 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 you know uh, ultimately Metallica, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and Bill Clinton, right? <laughs> um, and that that there is this kind of a sense of kind of this growing dissatisfaction and kind of able to do something about what had been a a now twelve years of kind of a more kind of conservative government uh, in the U.S. and and kind of there is this there is this kind of rebellion, but it pales in comparison to the modes of rebellion rebellion um uh, like when when the regimes when regime change or kind of um political change kind of partisan change um and cultural change had happened right so that it is that that uh what i mean to say is that while there is a hunger for rebellion it's a rebellion and a hunger for rebellion that's already internalized some of the values of of what it's rebellion against right uh and and, and that is what it gives it and i think that the kind of teens and uh us as the teens of that era and um are are kind of um you know slightly cohort older than us the kind of young younger and older gen xers um kind of have a little bit of that um that that kind of uh dime store or kind of bush era bush number one uh era uh nihilism um that has that kind of uh uh that that whether it's kind of apathy or angst or kind of uh rage but i think that that's my sense of of kind of the supply and demand of that kind of um gentrification of of rebellion and of of youth culture yeah i mean uh, i think that if going- you'd if you lived the, the cohort slightly older than us i mean i think we were almost born not quite, but almost into the post authenticity era, right? Like it, it was uh, um, the the right as as the music was sort of in the process, and we kind of witnessed in our uh, coming of age years the um, the 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 process of the music being being sort of commoditized and denuded of its of its political connotations, right? Like the the. Uh, you know, I don't know. The Clash wouldn't have have sat comfortably right alongside, um, alongside uh, 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 Metallica on the alongside this um, uh, this year's you know chart toppers. Metallica, uh, never mind um, uh, ten. Right, like the 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 sort of earlier more. Pol- and I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm hitting this a little too hard, but like the the earlier more political music it seems. Formed the cohort that's just a little bit older than us, and so yep. I I think that they they the, the you know I'm overgeneralizing I'm sure feel more of a sense of loss right or a mm-hmm. sense a sense of being personally disappointed uh, by the selling out the way the right. way that people who lived through the 60s and saw the way the 60s ended um, saw the way the kind of the summer of love. Uh, curdled right in the way the sort of the the dream of social change uh curdled um feel very personally let down uh, by that you know and that that uh 
the, and, and, you know, it's so, that's so interesting because like really into that sort of, uh, yawning maw of uh, disapproval, um, Really, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Metallica, and uh, you know, Black Album are the perfect thing to pour into it, right? right. Like a sort of vaguely self-loathing, uh, you know, like um, you know, disaffected uh, kind of mopiness, as we've said, right? Like that—that that this is the perfect. Honestly, if music is going to be commodified uh, for people who object to music being commodified, this is the perfect music commodity for the people who object to music being commodified. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a good place um, to pivot to some of the songs because not only was this a huge album, but there were some huge singles here. And I I feel like, you know, we may make it to the deep cuts, but we have to hit some of the bangers. Um, Look, on on this topic, like, uh, after near constant listening to this record uh, for a minute now, um, I still can't pick out uh, b- beyond the high points, uh, really, you know, really what's going on. Um, beyond, like, Enter Sandman, The Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters, you know. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, forgive me if I mix Don't up... Don't tread on me also. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, b- because of the... The Leonard Bernstein, right? That was almost that would have been my ad. Uh, 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 would have been like, "Are you a heavy metal like guitarist and th- looking for your next r- riff?" What about the Broadway Songbook? Right? <laughs> it's very jarring, right? When you get the riff from America. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little more rhythmically complex than the the that like uh three plus three plus two plus two plus two uh six eight that 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 song is in and and it's um other than the one like monster syncopation in Enter Sandman, uh, it's not a, a super rhythmically sophisticated uh, album. So that's it. It is definitely a perk up your ears moment of saying like, wait, what the hell is going? Uh, what the hell is 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 going on here? Um, any anyway, so those I'm I like uh, I'm like the the Tori Amos fan who only knows Cornflake Girl uh, with <laughs> with this record, right? Like uh, you know, according to Cornflake Girl and God, actually two songs that were probably in rotation <laughs> alongside uh, the, these videos on on MTV. Yeah, just, she she had a unit in the timeshare. She had yeah, absolutely. Um, Anyway, yeah, but I mean, I mean, let's start with Understand Man. It's yeah. where the album starts. It is like where it kind of gives us. There is a defining sonic moment here, both in its own right, and I think with respect to what comes before in the Metallica uh, catalog, right? That you know that you have quite a bit of instrumental buildup before you get to any lyrics. Right. Um, and, um, and you kind of start with like a non kind of, a non, non distorted guitar, a kind of clean guitar sound that kind of gradually builds up this riff. Uh, and when it comes in, you know, that there's a, it, it, the, the distinguishing, um, sonic moment is one of kind of foreboding. I, mean, I, I kind of talked about anxiousness, uh, before, and that there is this sense of something bad is going to happen. Right. Uh, and 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 then it kind of there's a moment of arrival with the riff, um, 
and it's it's you're just the menace uh it's there's a there's a menace but there's i mean i guess in terms of talking about the kind of butt rockiness of this or and the jock jamminess there is a kind of campy menace right like yeah uh, it's and actually the way like the way it's constructed is 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 interesting to me here right like um what what exactly is the threat in enter sandman right like where where is the threat generated um i you know i we did uh we talked it's, about it's sleep right it's sleep itself and nightmares right yeah, it's nightmares yeah it's generated by the unconscious it's generated by your your own mind um the the second verse uh is uh something's wrong shut the light heavy thoughts tonight and they aren't of snow white Right. And, and that's interesting. I think that that, what, what that's saying is that they're not sexual thoughts. They're not thoughts of like, you know, either, uh, anxious or lustful thoughts about sexuality. Um, Snow White being the kind of the, you know, eating the apple, the of white virginal purity, the sort of little men who are sort of children. And then the kind of the intrusion of, uh, of, uh, the intrusion of the heterosexual couple into, into that, uh, over the objections of the, the kind of the old crone whose reproductive years are behind her um no they're not but they're not that we're not in that narrative we're talking about dreams of war dreams of liars dreams of dragons fire and things that will bite yeah and that's so it's about a a sort of anxious or guilty relation to one's own aggression Right. It's a, it's a second order feeling, right? Like it's the feeling that you have about yourself when you encounter, uh, your own kind of aggressive tendencies. So you feel aggression, you feel anger, you feel whatever, uh, being a, you know, disaffected young man of this era. Right. And then you sort of examine yourself and, and as a kind of second order feeling, a reaction to your own feeling, you, uh, you feel, uh, frightened, I guess, right? You don't want the Sandman to come. You don't want to fall asleep. Um, you know, uh, hush, little baby, don't say a word. Never mind that noise you heard. It's just the beast under your bed, in your closet, in your head, right? The, the real beast is in, uh, the real beast is in your, uh, uh, is in your head, is in your own, is in your own mind. And that that's like, and, and so that's the, and, and I think the campiness, uh, comes from a kind of ambivalent relationship in a, in a kind of third order feeling, right? Like, cause what is, what is the point being made, uh, uh, <laughs> right. a, about this? Like, is it that it's frightening and that like the, the kind of the narrator, the persona saying these lyrics, singing these lyrics is trying to protect a young child from, from these things? Uh, or is it that it's awesome? Right. Yeah, I think this is definitely a pro Sandman song. (laughs) Right. And that, like, yeah, uh, like, and, and there's, cause the, the, um, the chorus is almost like, like hortatory. It's encouraging, right? Like, take my hand. We're off to Never Never Land, uh, which is like, Never Never Land is like playtime space, is like fun, fun stuff, you know? Uh, and it's not like we're going to cower in the corner, uh, and, you know, and just hope we don't like batter our wives or like nuclear holocaust the entire world well, you know it's also interesting though because neverland is also the age uh the, the land of perpetual youth yeah 
right? Um, and I think that that is really interesting. Um, I think the other thing here is it is interesting in the way that this is addressed to children, right? And the, the, there is this sense of there's two things that are being accomplished here. Is one, it's like very rare to have a song like that is not a kid's song. That's not a kiddie song. That's not by like Yanni right? <laughs> that, that, that is addressed to a child. Um, and even Yanni songs, right? That Interesting. Like, right. So th- yeah, I think you mean, like, Ra- I think you mean Raffi. I do mean Raffi. No, I mean, I love Yanni as a kid. Uh, like all I artists <laughs> sound alike to me. <laughs> One name. I, I think I mean Enya. <laughs> <laughs> I have two-syllable artist blindness. <laughs> when there's too many vowels and only two, two syllables, it all blurs together. It all blurs, yeah, into this kind of, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do mean Rafi. Uh, although, although Yanni, Yanni also, all Yanni songs are also addressed to the children. <laughs> Yanni songs are instrumental, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're all, yeah, it's all this like epic. It's actually Peruvian pan flute music or something. Yeah, yeah, like but that. if you play Yanni songs backwards, there is some dark shit in there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, it's very rare to have a song addressed to a child. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think on the one hand, that's speaking to us who were kind of late children at this. I was nine when this album was come came sure. out and kind of, you know, 10 to 11 as my awareness of, of the songs kind of continued through, through MTV. And, um, and so I was kind of in that demographic, but wanted to be older and kind of more mature. And I, I think I was drawn more and more towards this kind of music. Um, not that I was that aggressive and not, I wasn't solely into metal, um, but was definitely into the alternative space, uh, in MTV. Um, and so I think that on the one hand it's it's talking about an, another kind of pulling towards the middle right so it's pulling kind of kids and i think young men in particular up to a kind of kind of adolescence um and 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 i think an attempt to kind of flirt with these darker things and kind of go to a kind of adolescent neverland uh and it but it is also pulling kind of um older young men into that as well right of 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 if you are a young man like it's okay that you can still be a kid you can still be a boy um who has this fear but kind of embrace that fear and aggression right and 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 i think that that kind of coming together is this kind of uh an articulation of you know that uh, of this kind of perpetual male adolescence uh of of our generation and uh plus or minus a few uh years right uh that is that is kind of a thing and this is i think a really interesting articulation of that kind Kind of uh, particular um, psych- generational psychology, and I think specifically a kind of a male psychology of that of that generation. Yeah, um, yeah, and and sort of male psychology in general, which is not, you know, uh, which is it, it kind of struggles like the kind of the vicissitudes of of male experience kind of struggle to find a representational space a lot of the time because uh, you know there's this sort of patriarchal denial of of like men's feelings and sort of men's experiences especially experiences of things like uh, anxiety fear and vulnerability right that like um you know that and and uh 
and and that I think accounts for the 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 campiness a little bit too, right? Like you, you have to kind of tart it up in order to uh, uh, you have to kind of tart it up in order to make it palatable, or in order to kind of find a representational language, a metaphorical right. language that's going to make it. Um, it can't be like it can't be like you know. I sometimes am am uncertain about my own feelings about things and have like have mixed emotions about my my own responses to things. It has to be no the same. Man is taking me away <laughs> under my bed. You know that that like there's this kind of there's this heavy performative aspect that that um, kind of denormalizes uh, the experience and puts it into a realm of like of a realm of like Norse god Ragnarok eternal struggle. Um, you know, uh, kind of overblown stakes, uh, and that that's that uh, that like is a it's a what it is is it's a coping me- it's cre- it's a creative yeah. coping mechanism for uh finding a way to talk about this material uh as, you know uh, at the time in a in a in a sort of non-therapeutic way i mean it's you know I, did you see some kind of monster when it came out i saw it in theaters i didn't i did not no the, did not. so some kind of monster is a film it's a documentary film about uh the making of saint anger a later metallica album and they engage the services of like not exactly a, a a counselor, but sort of a coach, like a team facilitator or something like that, you know. Uh, and and th- there are cameras around and and videos. Um, this whole process is uh, videotaped, and it's sort of a difficult process of like the managing the the conflict and disagreement around the uh, uh, around the thing. Well, at one point, Lars Ulrich says um, something that uh, I've never forgotten as a uh, as an insult as he's listening to some guitar riff or something. He says that sounds stock. To me, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, man. and that, like that's it's a like, sick burn. Wow, dude, that like that's harsh. I'm not sure I would like want to talk to a collaborator that way. Or I guess if you have decades, kind of decades in with that person, then you you can sort of use that shorthand and and I guess I, I guess get somewhere with it. But um, but uh, one of the things that they say at the very end of that. Um, one of the things they say at the very end of that uh, album is that like it's amazing that we can make an album that's sort of a balls out heavy heavy metal album uh, that engages with a lot of like aggression, anger, you know, does uh, you know has all that material on the record, uh, and that we could do it without actually going through all that ourselves uh, interpersonally as we were you know as we were dealing with the uh, uh, as we were dealing with the process of uh, the process of of creating it and yes so so kind of therapizing right like is definitely one strategy for dealing with it and it's this sort of it's the contemporary the dominant contemporary one it's this sort of sensitive new age guy uh strategy but also kind of like fantasticizing right is another strategy for dealing with it and i think it's the one that's on display here I mean, are there other strategies that you see in uh, in either any of the other songs or kind of the big jams in general? Um, uh, you know, I think that, I mean, it, I guess in particular, um, how do you see Unforgiven connecting to this? Or is that kind of moving in a, a somewhat orthogonal direction, um, right? That uh, just to read some lyrics off of how the song um, starts, right? New blood joins this earth and quickly he's subdued. Through constant pained disgrace, the young boy learns their rules. With time, the child 
child draws in, this whipping boy done wrong. Deprived of all his thoughts, the young man struggles on, and he's known, a vow unto his own, that never from this day his will they'll take uh, away easy. What I've felt, what I've known, never shine through in what I've shown. Never be, never see, won't see what might have been. What I've felt, what I've known, never shine through what I've shown. Never free, never me. So I dub thee unforgiven. I mean, that's a little allegory of exactly what we're talking right? about, isn't right? it? Yeah, exactly. Of sort of like the 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 uh, you know the the yeah. It's I mean, it's so interesting. It's a society that kind of I, there's really kind of a a, a theory of maleness um, or, or of certain parts of 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 maleness, right? Like of of uh, of sort of aggression and alienation. Um, and a real, like a, a portrait of a real failure of the culture to be able to integrate those things in, yeah. uh, in a positive, right. In a positive way. The, the, uh, the strategy in enter Sandman is to sort of leave you alone with them, right? Like, and you kind of find your own, you know, just get through the night somehow. Um, the, the, uh, the, um, strategy here is like a rigid superego is like really internalizing uh the social rules and the you know the things that would kind of hem in and contain the uh you know whatever impulses have to do you know would be unsubdued right when when new blood joins this uh new blood uh, when new blood joins this earth and the kind of the the pained disgrace right is the kind of the the stick that um that uh the the culture uses to kind of uh, what to to sort of defang um the uh the, the snake <laughs> yeah yeah exactly to defang the snake on on the album uh the album cover um and that and that like there's so like i dub the unforgiven it's a little uh, right like it's a little old-fashioned it's a little overheated but it's it's also like the strategy is is uh is to become an outcast right or to sort of accept one's role uh and and sort of relish it a little bit as uh as being an outcast right Absolutely. And I think that it's interesting to think about these kinds of different strats, these different kinds of coping mechanisms. Um, and because I think then um, this actually brings us well to the third kind of big jam on the album, or at least the big kind of hit, um, is Nothing Else Matters. Because I think Nothing Else Matters has um, addresses similar issues, but um, it, it engages with them in a slightly different way, right? So um, listen to these lyrics, um, and I'll, I'll go at least through verse one up to, up to the chorus, right? So you have so close no matter how far couldn't be much more from the heart forever trusting who we are and nothing else matters never opened myself this way life is ours we live it our way all these words i don't just say and nothing else matters trust i seek and i find in you every day for us something new open mind for a different view and nothing else matters never cared for what they do never cared for what they know but i know um and and so i think that and it, and it goes on um but that this is kind of interesting, right? That this is a a kind of radical openness, right? And a radical attempt at radical self-recognition um, as opposed to the various other kinds of coping mechanisms um, that that were uh, that were on display. And I think that this is what is actually even a bigger break from anything else uh, in the catalog, right? Uh, and it is kind of the most... I mean, in the one way, it's... 
I don't know. It's it's the most emo, but it's also kind of uh, post emo. I mean, I mean, how do you how do you recognize like uh, uh, how do you kind of read the extent of o- emotional maturity or immaturity as recognized in this song? Right? Is it is it mature in that it's uh, attempting to kind of uh, uh, move a kind of self knowledge, or is it kind of immature in how much it wallows in this? And it kind of, I mean, I, I guess this hits on these like those two variables and the two apex that you were talking about earlier in the episode. It's uh, sort of, I mean, it sort of balances. I look at this song as kind of a compromise, right, yeah. between between extreme positions, right? Like, and and it, it's interesting. Like, it's interesting to me what this song isn't about. It's not about a wife and family, right? It's right. not about the kind of the the like the heterosexual um, stopping point of you know uh, of a lot of of popular music. It's about the band, right? It's about being in a group. I, it's, yeah. a, it's about being in a group of people who sort of recognize you. And so the sort of the mature aspects of it are uh, a kind of acknowledgement, a frank acknowledgement of um, values and a frank acknowledgement of boundaries, right? Like, uh, and, and of what, uh, you know, of what's important to you. Um, the, the slightly immature part of it is the, like, the nothing else uh, right. Nothing. Nothing else matters, right? It's only like it's only the kind of collegial bond of my uh, of my friends or my band, right? Like, yes, that's very. I, I was trying to articulate that it is, but it is the black and whiteness of it, right? Yeah, like, a little. Uh, like, this is not a gray album. Yeah, it's a little right. It's a black. Uh, it's a black album. Black, black my soul. Um, that like. Uh, uh, but like there, there is, it's not all, you know, it's not all bad, right? Like there is this kind of, there is this sort of adaptive or progressive aspect to it, which is that like, it is possible to find community in like-minded, uh, you know, in like-minded people and that it's not, you know, it's not like isolation and loneliness forever and ever. And that's, and that's your lot in life. There is a, uh, you know, there, there is, uh, more that you can do. Yeah, and uh, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, and there's more that you can do to keep listening to Metallica's <laughs> Black Album and discussing it with us. Um, you know, we we scratched we didn't quite scratch the surface, but we took three core samples of the kind of uh, uh, the we big- took our knife and we dug it into the flesh of the album. And and sand, but now but now the Sandman has come to take us away to be tormented by our dreams of of uh, close readings that we did not do. Uh, and the, and those close readings are breathing dragon fire, uh, and 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 are are filled with with war and liars. Um, but uh, we we will never fight you or lie to you. Uh, we will only continue discussing uh, the great albums uh, of of both the now 1991 uh, and today. So we're in 1991 for a while. Um, so share your thoughts uh, on Metallica's Black Album with us, um, and keep your eyes out for what will be doing next there we're going to try to hit um a number of the upcoming not only is 1991 huge but but kind of the late summer early fall of 1991 was especially huge it was a huge month in a huge year 
Um, and so we're going to be uh, on or kind of um, more or less synced up with a number of big upcoming 25th anniversaries. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and as you uh, listen to these albums, as you ride the nostalgia train or discover new things, uh, keep in touch with us. Um, we are on overthinkingit.com. Uh, there's show notes uh, for every episode. Join the discussion there. Um, we're on Twitter at TFT Podcast. Uh, and we're on Theory for Turntables on podcast uh, on, on Facebook. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to join the conversation, to interact with us, to bring in your friends who are uh, fans of these bands. I think this is a case where with Metallica, um, with Nine Inch Nails uh, last week, and with some of the bands we're talking about in the future, these are these are albums that literally millions of people know. <laughs> um, and so uh, it, there's a good chance that one of your friends or family members is one of those millions of people. So bring them into the fold. Share these episodes with them uh, and uh, and have them join the conversation. Um, and uh, so know that whether you are uh, off off with the Sandman or off treading on someone else, uh, know that we'll be here uh, this week and every week keeping it real.